Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Bat Truck Up Podcast. I'm James Rooster Bowen here with my good friend Justin Martin. How you doing today, Justin? Doing all right. I'm seeing a double today. I got James and James in the studio. Ah, yes. Uh, I don't, I don't know what to call him, my uh, evil <laughs> twin or what, but you know, uh, we got Mad Max off of TikTok. He's a fellow truck driver out on the road and basically we'll bring James on the show and you know, just talk shop. And, you know, he's been around the mountain a few times. He's got some stories to tell and some opinions to share. So Justin, uh, how did you meet uh, Mr. Mad Max? Well, like a lot of people on TikTok, I was just scrolling one day and I think he was re- either he replied to a video of mine or a video someone else posted. Um, but that seems to be what TikTok really excels at is, you talk, you talk shit on TikTok, and then people can talk shit back. So <laughs> be pre- be prepared. <laughs> um, and yeah, we've we've been chatting back and forth for a while, trying to make this happen. And um, I believe um, you're you're, you're kind of out of the truck for a little bit. Is that what's going on? Yeah, I injured uh, my shoulder, and it's uh, my right shoulder, so I'm having trouble lifting the bulkheads, oh. trouble steering, even. Oof. You know, is mm. when you're. Back in, a lot of times you just use one hand, yep. and it yeah. uh, right hand is my dominant hand. So I had trouble controlling the truck, really going through the Salt River Canyon the other night. And I said, "That's it." Once once I had a little trouble through there, I, I had to get out. I've been there, and uh, that, that's not that's not a straight piece of road, and it's up and down and all around. And uh, Max, uh, where what? You do uh, refrigerated work. Uh, who who you drive for, and uh, you know how how what brought you into trucking? Well, I I got injured back in '92, and I had to find something to do in a hurry to uh, you know sus- sustain life with my family and and make a living because now I was being put out of the Air Force and uh, could not could not do law uh, law enforcement any longer. So. I I was going through one of the Air Force times, and I seen this ad for CRST, and seen one for JB Hunt, and I see a whole bunch of Schneider, all these training companies, and then I started calling them, and um, I almost went to JB Hunt because it was right there in Kansas City, and they said, no, you got to bring your own AMFM radio, you got to do this, you got to. I said, ah, we'll push them out of the way, called the next one, CRST. They're like, no, we got radios in our trucks so on and so forth and we're right up here in cedar rapids okay signed the paperwork filled out an application they did a background check and ended up at kirkwood community college 29 years ago Hmm. yeah it's been a while so even 29 years ago the trucking companies were still targeting uh vets coming out of the war oh big time uh the one that had the most ads in there and the biggest prettiest ads was naval north american van lines Come on, you can be an owner-operator and drive your own truck in, you know, three weeks. That was the big thing. Ah, uh, see, <laughs> uh, <laughs> things, things don't change, it seems. <laughs> right. They had a big school, I guess, up in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And uh, that's where a lot of guys ended up bedbugging, you know. They, a lot of guys, oh, I want to go there because I know my old truck. I'm going to get a dollar something a mile. You're only going to get this. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how how was training back then? So my my dad I think went through training about the same time as you. This would have been what 90, 91, 92? I went, a, I went through a ninety three. Ninety three. Okay, yeah. So that's about the same year. Um, my dad started at Schneider, and then so did I. Uh, years and years later, in, in two thousand seven, 
and we both went to Green Bay, Wisconsin for training. Now, when he was in training, they were still using the skid pad back in the day. Yeah. And when I was in there, it was all simulators, I guess. The rumors had okay. gone, rumors were that the the town, I guess, was complaining that the, the, the skid pad was sucking up all the water pressure. And then uh, other rumors were like the water bill was killing them. But either way, I, it, it really sucks that something like that doesn't exist anymore. There, there aren't a lot of schools out there that spend the kind of money uh, running a system like that. Do they have anything like that when you were uh, in training? Well, what we had, we had a big training pad there at Kirkwood Community College. They didn't have this the skid pad, but they had a huge pad where you went out. And from day one, they just, they took you out. And we had a guy named Sarge. He was pretty cool. He, you know, these, these guys now, and I hate to get into this, this whole old guys versus young guys, but they probably couldn't have handled Sarge because mm. when you screwed up, he would tell you about it. And if you didn't listen repeatedly, he would jump down your throat a little bit and say, hey, straight. And then, oh, yeah, that's right. I need to do this. And you remember that way. But now you got to treat him with kit gloves. And if you don't, you'll end up like that video we seen here the other day with the, the student and the, the uh, trainer where the guy was threatening him. Hmm. So is that, is that the one where the guy couldn't shift? He was trying to put it in gear? Well, he, that or he, he, no, the one where the okay. guy was in attention, he was telling him to change lanes or something and he didn't change lanes. And then they pulled over on the side of the road and almost got in a fight. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's yeah. a big difference between like an ass chewing and actual threats because right. when you're in the truck with a trainee, you know, you're putting not just their life at risk, it's both your lives and the lives yeah. of others on the road too. Right. Um, but, I, I had pr- a pretty good trainer when I was at Schneider. God, I wish I could remember Gary. I, I want to say his name was, um, it wasn't like a too, too much of an older guy, but must be something in the water in Wisconsin. He just had like that Midwest, you know, they had the <laughs> accent, everything. It looked like somebody straight out of Fargo. And the, the one thing he always told me that always stuck with me was turn towards trouble. He said, I, my straight line backing, what he said was immaculate. I, I was excellent at straight line backing. The, the, 90 degree, you know, everybody sucks at that at the beginning, but I, I eventually got better at it. But that, that whole thing about turn towards trouble was like, like yeah, one of the best things that ever stuck with me. Do they have cool little jingles or sayings like that when you were in training? Uh, I don't really remember any offhand, you know, anything like that. I'm sure there probably was, but my brain's <laughs> a few years from there now. But uh, they, he was a really good instructor. And from day one, like I said, they put you out on the pad in a bobtail and they just had you driving around in circles on the pad, learning how to shift. That was the first thing we did. Just learning how to shift the truck was the, was the big thing. And then we progressed to, you know, the road and the backing and everything else. And I thought it was funny on, on the day they came to test us, they had a Iowa DOT officer that came out there. I think there was three of them or whatever. And all the guys in my group, volunteered me to go first <laughs> i thought that was great <laughs> yeah so, just get it, get it over with yeah so i did i went out there and knocked it out and uh here i am i i uh, and i had a great trainer as well the guy's name was tom rhodes if you're still alive and out there tom rhodes thank you so much for everything you did for me he was a really really good guy versus another guy named my buddy i told you about earlier randy reynolds he uh had a poor poor uh, trainer the guy wouldn't let him drive in the city he wouldn't let him back up he wouldn't because if if he had an accident i guess at that time they they uh put it on the trainer as well Mm, okay yeah 
And so this guy was afraid to let him do anything. So when me and him, because they end up putting two guys in the truck together that don't know anything. Yeah. You know, always a great idea, right? Because they ran over there. I... I, my guy, so the way Schneider worked was like, you go two weeks through training, your CDL, you go home for a couple of days and you come back and then you're on the road for two weeks with what they call it, a TE, a training engineer. And the guy that they, they hooked me up with, he was based out of Indianapolis and he had this sweet cake run from, he goes from Indianapolis to St. Paul, Minnesota and back over the course of, you know, he goes a day up parks in Menominee, Wisconsin, does his delivery at the Ford plant and then comes back the next day and then he's parked back in Indianapolis for the night. So he's home every other night parks in the same truck truck spot every time. Um, so it, it really, it was, it was fine for me because I got to like learn how to drive through traffic and we hit the Chicago rush hour and all that. And, um, but then figuring out how to like pre-trip and stuff, I had to like learn all that on my own once I was like, let go because I didn't learn any of it with him. It was the same, the same no. thing every single day. And it just, it kind of, it's like a muscle, you know, you're not using it. So you get, you, you get flat. Right. And I remember the, the first couple of runs I did on my own, I was like, Oh shit. Like, where am I parking for the night? How do I, you know, I had to figure out how to like, if, if I miss the gate on the way to some toilet paper plant, I, I got to figure out how to do a U-turn and get back there. So every place I was going to, was like new to me for the first six to eight months. Well, you were talking about the pre-trip and, and, um, he was very adamant about doing pre-trips. So we had just had the truck worked on before we left Cedar Rapids on this one trip. And um, he turned the truck over to me and, you know, he's going to get in the jump seat. So I jump out and do my walk around and everything else. And I'm checking the lug nuts and come to find out the right side tire, they were loose. Hmm. They were loose. We thought we had felt the vibration. But here it is, he's adamant about the pre-trips, and he missed that. <laughs> you know, but because I had just went through the school, yeah. you know, I'm still doing every, everything exactly like they taught me, and boom, I caught the front right, you know, the steer tire. That could have come off on us. Yeah, that wouldn't have been good. So, we, we wouldn't be but, here recording this podcast, that's for sure. Right? <laughs> but here, here's the thing, too, we're talking about the training, and now, and you, how you were doing almost like a dedicated run. Me and him went coast to coast for, I think I was with him for almost five or six weeks. Hmm. You know, we went back and forth and we were, we did all kinds. We went down cabbage. He let me go down uh, Donner and all that. And like I said, it was, and that's part of the thing with the OJT. I don't know if you guys want to get to that later, but I wish they would do more where guys aren't just stuck in a certain setting. Because if, say, you're training with somebody with a dedicated run in Texas, they're running on flat ground most of the time. Yeah. yeah. Then, then you turn this guy loose on a national account, and he gets out here to Donner or Cabbage or, you know, Snoqualmie or somewhere else, and then the guy's, you know, what do I do? And then you see him all the time, and I don't care if it's, if well, it's that, out. Dude, that's you, what, go ahead. Well, well, that's what we saw. I didn't mean to interrupt, but that's no, what we saw in Colorado, you know, with the guy, yeah. guy blew through the, the runoff ramps outside of Denver, you know, Absolutely. and had that hundred year sentence to had to be commuted. He was trained right. down in Texas. Guess what? Right. Most of Texas is flat unless you're over around, you know, El Paso mm-hmm. and you know, he gets hired on, he gets a load. Guess what? He's going over rocks. <laughs> it's not a straight yeah. shot over across the rocks you got to go up you got to go down 
Yeah, it and all de- it all depends on the season that you're starting too. Like I started in October of 2007, yeah. and I was constantly making it very clear to my my dispatchers and, and board leader, like, hey. I'm based here in Gary, Indiana with you guys, but I am from Florida. I spent all of my, you know, grow, years growing up in Florida. I learned to drive in Florida. I don't know anything about driving in the snow or the mountains and stuff. And so <laughs> they'd be like, okay, fine. We'll keep you out East. And then of course I'd be in like Michigan with like eight feet of lake effect, lake effect snow. <laughs> well, I, so I, I was stationed at the Offutt Air Force Base in Nebraska. And here I am, I'm a Bay Area kid. I'm from Richmond, California. I know absolutely nothing about black ice mm. or anything else. Mm. So here I am. I got a Delta 88 that weighs about 5 million pounds. Got big tires on it. It's a big road dinosaur. And I'm not thinking anything about it. It's raining out. Okay, whatever. You know, I'm sailing down the road outside Fremont, Nebraska. And I hit what they call black ice. And I learned yep. that day because I was doing... I. I probably did two 360s, and then I ended up in this farmer's ditch with oh, wow. the front car up on his little uh, bridge going to his house. Yeah. And so I learned I learned that day, and I also learned that it's not a foamy commercial. When you see one of the big piles of snow, you can't drive through it. <laughs> <laughs> it no. bumper. Yeah, that stuff that stuff weighs. It's got some weight to it. I um. I never had so I've driven through ice a little bit. The, the worst I've ever seen was in Texas. It was like two o'clock in the morning, and I'm running flat out, and I notice all the other trucks are slowing down. I'm thinking, okay, what's going on here? And uh, I get you know turn on the CB, and I'm like, hey guys, what's up? And they're like, yo, black ice, slow down, Green Valley. So I was like, okay, and I'm I have like thirty pounds in the trailer. All the loads I ever did with Green Valley weighed absolutely nothing, and uh, <laughs> I, I I roll I rolled down to like a crawl. And there's a way, a, um, a rest area, like two miles ahead. And I pull in and I get out and like everybody stopped. So we're like, okay. And we get out, there's like six feet of ice, or six feet, six inches of ice everywhere on the truck. And I'm like, oh my God, I have no idea how I did not just spin around and end up in a ditch. And so we, we called DITS, GTTS, our, our satellite trackers at the time and told them, Hey, we're Green Valley. We're shutting down for the night. Um, this is when I was a hazmat hauler and they were like, okay, no problem. And I woke up the next morning. And there were just truck after truck after truck going. So we were going westbound. And so the eastbound lane, it was just one after, like every half mile, there's a truck in the median. So back when I started driving, what we used to do, because we didn't have, you know, there was no temperature in the truck. Yeah. You know, telling us what the outside temperature was. Now you could buy these little temperature gauges and, and you'd run them out your wing window and then onto the mirror. But the way we really... Uh, did it was you rolled down the window and you felt the back of your mirror mm-hmm. yeah and yeah that ice was building up on the back of your mirror you knew that it was built up on the ground as well yep so that that was one of the big indicators and you looked at your lollipops that are swinging around and look like helicopters you know would be swinging round and round banging and there is nothing worse than one of them banging the side of the truck banging the side yeah. of the truck <laughs> A, a, a trick I learned too was um, look at the spray coming off of your tires in your rearview mirror. If the road looks wet and there's no spray, eh, you're on ice. Yeah, but that but that can also fool you. And I, I'll give you an instance. So we're going across uh, Pennsylvania, and there's there's we'd already heard about it at Barkeyville that there was a big accident out there by the white uh, white pike or deer is it deer pike? I think it's deer pike, west pike, whatever. Out on eighty. And it's right past the rest area. So we leave and it's it's raining 
And of course, there's a lot of spray. But at the same time, so you're thinking, okay, I'm good to go. Well, by the time we got there to that accident, they had just kept piling up one after another. It was it was one of the worst I'd seen as far as a long stretch of pileups. Just truck after truck. And PA did not, uh, they weren't proactive in the in the deal. So when we got there, two more guys wrecked. We were able to, the four guys I was running with, we were able to stop. When we got out, if I'd have known that that ice was that thick, I would not have been on that road. Mm. It was that bad, but we were getting plenty of spray. Yeah. Well, it sounds like oh. Pennsylvania is being a lot more proactive these days. I mean, I, was it today, Rooster, the, the turnpike shut down? Yeah. This is uh, March 14th when we recorded this. Uh, PA and New York both got an interstate shut down and in restrictions throughout. And there's a check this morning. There's basically a, one of those big winter storms right over top of New York that's spinning around and around. Not moving anywhere, but supposed to dump like six inches of heavy wet snow today and tomorrow the winds are gonna be blowing around 30 to 40 so that's gonna be a, a nice little adventure well we were so we were recording earlier uh, with a guest and it started just absolutely snowing sideways outside my window that's all gone now but now the winds picked up and so I'm, I'm yeah. on the I'm on the east coast of New Jersey so I'm a little, a little yeah. on the tail end of everything that's happening right now but it just seems like especially this year, uh, a lot of states are just very trigger happy in shutting down the highways because, as we've seen this year, if they don't, you got a you got a thirty truck pileup on your hands. Well, well, they have to because, and once again, I'm not bashing the new guys, but these guys just they don't heed the warnings that are out there nowadays. You have so many apps and everything else to to let you know what's going on out there before you even get there. Mm-hmm. Okay, back in the day. We used to have to listen to Bill Mack, the Midnight Cowboy. We used to listen to the Truck and Bozo. And we listened to them guys at night, and they would give us the weather forecast. They would give me a construction update, all that stuff. We didn't have any apps. So we didn't yeah. know what was going on necessarily, unless you were one of the people that listened to the trucking shows at night on the AM radio. And they would kind of give you mm-hmm. an update on what's going on and what to watch out for and avoid. And they would give you updates about every hour on the major interstates you know throughout the country and now these guys like wyoming yeah. wyoming i mean <laughs> they, they used to hardly ever shut down unless there was a major pile up and now it seems like every time there's weather out there these guys are all crashing into each other and that goes back to a couple of things the cocooning i call it you want to call it cocooning or platooning or whatever they all get together and they run together, mm. nose to tail. Yep. Bad weather. Why would you do that? It 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 drives me crazy. I can't stand when people tailgate me on dry ground, but especially in that type of weather, get away from me. I don't I'm, want anybody close to me. I'm stealing that because we're um, all we see about lately is like these uh, speed limiter legislation coming on the pike, and I just stuff like that's going to happen on a nationwide level, not not just in Wyoming. You, you know, know, if you bring trucks down to 60 everybody's going to pack together it's going to get compact and yeah. it's going to be like a i hate to use the term train wreck with the recent yeah. events but you know guess what perfect example it, it it's uh personally as as a driver that is restricted to 65 miles an hour i don't want to see everybody else at 65 yeah. i have problems right now with the other people that are at 65 miles an hour 
I don't want that many people around me. I don't want to have to sit there and have my collision mitigation system and all the other bozo buttons that I got going off all the time. I got enough problems dealing with them now. Could you imagine if everybody was set at that? Yeah. It'd be a, it'd be a catastrophe. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. The, fir- the first time we got new trucks, the postal service, um, they had uh, the collision mitigation on there. And so many of the, the old heads there were like, it's beeping at me and there's a number on the dash. I don't know what the hell this means. So I'd get in there and I told them, I'm like, okay, well, that number is the speed of the car in front of you. And those <laughs> like little, those little waves that are coming out of the front of that icon on the dashboard is your following distance. So the truck's screaming at you for following too close. And they're like, what? No, I'm, I'm used to being like that close to them. And we're, we're up in the Northeast. So a lot of, a lot of aggressive Northeast drivers up here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh yeah that's and that's another thing you know back when we had them old cab overs we had so many there's some blind spots mm. you know you that old oh uh peekaboo mirror up there sticking out on the right side so you can try and see down there what's below you and you had an inspection window in there we called it the garbage gauge as well because <laughs> you can look at somebody's truck and see who's a trash hauler yep, yep. or the dash almost, trash. almost time halfway full better <laughs> yeah <laughs> trash on the dash but uh yeah they, they no they just throw everything down on the side you know mm. and that the passenger <laughs> side and that, that inspection window would fill up you know <laughs> we call it the garbage gauge but uh you had so many blind spots but we didn't have all these bells and whistles and all these warnings and it it almost seemed like it was safer back then than i don't know this all these bells and whistles just irritate me I wish now I don't know about you guys trucks, but ours have a red light and a yellow light on the post. So when it goes off, the yellow will go off. Like there's a warning. There's a car coming up on the side and for on your lane departure. No, ours wouldn't have that. Well, we we've got a lane departure deal on ours, and it also picks up the cars that are coming into the blind spot. Hmm. But when it goes red, it you know oh. it makes awful got awful noise and then you freak out thinking that somebody's you you're going to hit someone and you look in all your mirrors and there's nothing there yeah <laughs> we so we we had um adaptive cruise so like you set your cruise and it, it keeps yeah, you get, you know I, and i like that if i'm yeah plus i'm driving in the city most of the time so it's not like i can really put the cruise on you know i, yeah. I, put, I put the cruise on for like 30 seconds and i gotta cut it off <laughs> right the, the traffic <laughs> um but the few times i'd be on the turnpike uh, up there uh, it was pretty nice and the trucks um they were governed at 70 so they, okay. they would they would haul ass but they were a single axle so they were real slippery and the, the first couple of trucks that they got i don't think the the rear ends were um adjusted properly because a lot of the older older guys we went from 2004 max to 2013 internationals and all of them were complaining about the the, the truck the rear of the truck sliding around on them. And I'm like, no, you guys, you're just used to like the old tanks and you know, the, the seat's nice and fluffy now. So you're, you're just not used yeah. to it. And yeah, the first time I rode in one, I I'm slinging all over the lanes. I'm like, Oh my God, they're right. And yeah, yeah. someone, someone at the shop, they had, to, they had to like take the whole fleet in and they were all under warranty. So they couldn't even fix it themselves. Um, and, and, and then again, this was bef- even before COVID made everything a disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, they got all these brand new trucks. And then within a week, like half the fleet had to go, back in the shop and you said you said those were single screws yeah oh yeah well those would come around on you faster anyway oh yeah 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 Yeah. they were fun though i bet (laughs) well when we first got them i was like someone's gonna get killed because they're they're too fun and they're way too fast 
and we're hauling mail. So it's not like there's a lot of weight in the truck anyway, but sure. it just, it's a re- it's a really testament to like the professionalism of the guys that I was driving with where we didn't really have any major accidents. Most of the accidents were the new guys that they were hiring uh, that didn't make it past their probation. Not, not an old crusty guy like me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there were, there were plenty of guys that like you in there. Um, <laughs> Old old school salt of the earth Jimmy Hoffa types too, man. I'm, I'm, right. I've talked in the podcast before. I'm trying to get all their stories down because a lot of them have retired recently, and yeah. uh, they're, they're not too far from me in New Jersey. But some of the stories they got, man, it just oh yeah, you could you could fill a book. Um, were you ever part of a union at all? And I know you're out on the West Coast there. Worked for the Teamsters for a very short time when I worked for CMEX, uh, hauling a pneumatic tank, but that's that's the only time, and it was it was a really bad union. I'll put it to strike clause. You couldn't even strike. So what was the point? Yeah. You know, and, and they, they had a pay system. I guess it, it, it was weight distance time. Uh, it was like trying to do Chinese arithmetic. Hmm. It was horrible. Uh, we were paid but, by the hour. And ever since then I was like, Oh, this is it. I think everybody needs to be paid by there. So I, I know you're with Walmart now. What's their like, are you guys like by the mile, by the hour, or is it a little mix of both? Okay. Walmart is a combination of mileage and activity. So you get paid a certain amount, you know, for mileage. And then every time you stop and drop, you get paid. So with, combine the two of those, the stop, drop, or arrive, drop, and then your hook up and leave, you're getting around 22 bucks every time you bump a dock. So if it's a live load, it's a dollar more. Live unload, dollar more. Uh, uh, anytime you have to do any training, it's one fourth or a, uh, yeah, fourth of your ADP. So like me, I'm, I get about forty three bucks an hour if I got to do training um, or any scheduled time. You get paid for pigs if you get if you got to move a bunch of trailers around. Say you get to Sam's Club, they're always a disaster for some reason. You got trailer. <laughs> Yours is always the trailer that's the deepest. Always. Every yeah. Got to move them out of the way. And then, of course, the store's going, hey, th- we got these empties. We need these loadeds in there. So, you know, you get paid for that type of stuff. But you get paid for almost everything you do outside of fueling and cleaning the truck. That's you great. know, go hunt. Where, so where do you where do you think that came from? Because, you know, all you hear about is cashiers, the stock clerks. You know, they're always complaining about, you know, low wages and stuff. But even from the first day of my driving career, it was Walmart and Harley Davidson were like the two of like that. That was like the the end all be all. You know, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. And then within I don't know five years, Harley Davidson went kaput. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so all there was left was Walmart. Like what? What? Well, you had Steel Case, and there was a few different in house carriers out there that paid pretty well back in the day, and and almost everybody got rid of their in-house carriers, you know, and, and went to these first fleets and stuff like that, uh, Snyder's England. But, uh, I think it's from Sam, from mm. Sam Walton. He just, he really respected his drivers and he took care of them and they were very well paid from day one, you know, and I think that's where it comes from. Well, just, I mean, I haven't looked at their website in a while, but I mean, every time you go on, like, you know, jobs.walmart.com or whatever it is, like they brag, like the, the, the number one reason their drivers leave is retirement. Yeah. The, we, this is funny. So we've had, uh, since I've been at Casa Grande, we've had three drivers leave and we've had three drivers return. Hmm. 
So they find out very quickly once they leave that the other side, you know, because they get mad about something. We, we had a little pay dispute here last year when they really messed up. They gave part of the fleet eight cents, and then they gave part of the fleet like three cents because they were trying to do it based on places they, they may have had a little more trouble getting drivers, say Pottsville or, you know, that they're going to do a lot of New York City or was that mm -hmm. Maple? Uh, you know, different areas where they might have had a little bit of trouble finding or the cost of living was high. Yeah. So a lot of drivers got upset about that and some of them started threatening to leave. Well, they immediately corrected that within within a matter of, of weeks. They corrected it and they brought us up to at least five cents versus our eight cents, which I can I can handle that a lot better than, you know, my two cents or what i can't remember what it was now because everybody was walking around with a penny taped to their hat <laughs> well, we're, we're, a, we're the penny drivers that's you funny know? yeah so i was based out of philly back you know years ago when i was looking at walmart and it was always Pottstown and um oh geez some somewhere like some other western city so were they just was the fleet old obviously you weren't stationed out there so you probably don't know this firsthand but like was it just a lot of old guys working there and they were retiring faster than they could be replaced? Or is it just, it's a really tough spot to like find drivers? Well, it, I think it, that's what it is. They had guys retiring. Plus it's, it, you know, a lot of guys just don't want to do New York. So, you know, if you're going to okay. be, the thing with Walmart is just because you're say I'm in Casa Grande, Arizona. Well, the majority of our drivers, I do meat and produce. So I've pretty much stayed just in Arizona and I do a little bit of California on the dry side. But the dry drivers, they do a lot of San Diego, a lot of SoCal. Mm. And if a DC is short drivers or they need help, they work you up to that location. Like McCarran during the wintertime, they get backed up up there. They need help. Well, what do they do? They hook up drivers with loads going to uh, Nevada or claims loads, go up there to North Las Vegas. Then they pick up water and take water to Sparks. And then they're... They they got their driver there at McCarran that they need to do the Bay Area. Uh -huh. So and McCarran is one of the worst places on earth. I don't know why they must have got some hellacious tax breaks or something, but that has got to be the dumbest place. And hopefully they don't fire me for saying this, <laughs> but that is why would you put a, a location where ninety percent or more of your freight goes back down to the Bay Area? So you got all that wear and tear on the truck. You got the wear and tear on the driver. You got the fuel cost, the equipment cost of going up and down Donner, up and down Donner, when all your freight goes back down to the bay. Yeah. And, so and when, when when I was based in California, um, I worked for a company just outside of Tracy. And to me, Tracy is like, if you've got a CDL and you can't find work in Tracy, California, oh, yeah. there's, there's something wrong with you. Right. It's, it's basically all of San Francisco's warehousing because it's, it's all yep. residential in, in San Francisco. There's there's too many hills and mountains out there. So they just have this nice big flat plot of land in the valley at Tracy, and that's where everybody gets well, all their stuff. Well, they got smart, and they put a DC down there at Shaster. Hmm. So now another location where they can get freight into the bay and into the valley out of Shaster. So. Like I said, I don't know. Somebody somewhere must have got some hellacious tax break and put that up there because you couldn't pay me double the work out of there. So you're, the, I'd work out of just about anywhere else but there. So, so you're, you're going to all the stores and stuff. 
Um, what's like one of the hardest Walmart stores to get into on your route? Oh, on my route, or oh, just yeah. or just any route that you know of. Like, what's what's like oh, yeah, the notorious? Like, what's like the most notorious store that you guys know? Little store in Flagstaff that's next to the <laughs> Northern Arizona University. Hmm. So you come up up a hill, and this is when it's icy or or snowing. It's terrible because you got to go up a little hill. And then you go down a, a ski sled. Remember where the guy crashed on ABC uh, Wide World of Sports and the guy wipes out on the... Uh... Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's what it's like going down into the store. You got to come oh. down the steep pitch and then you got to bank back to the right. And then the, the docks are close together and it's poorly lit back there. But that's probably one of the... Yeah, we don't have too many bad ones here in Arizona, but that's that's one that's bad. And we have another one over on... Uh, Alma School at Warner that's the docks are they're offset from each other and then you only have a little bitty triangle to work with back there and that's that goes back to the Walmart onboarding and why they set you up in the onboarding process they put you in a little box with a little relief valve to your left and you got to come from the left side of the two trailers work your way around them and then set yourself up properly to back in between them two trailers and the reason they do that is because of the stores and how a lot of them are set up. So they yeah. basically do the onboarding that way to see if you can maneuver yourself into these situations. When we would hire new guys at the post office um, in Philly, I would tell them as quickly as you can get to Upper Darby and MOD. MOD is uh, main office delivery. It's like we're, it's, it's an underground post office in downtown Philadelphia where um, the old headquarters used to be located and you have to blindside back underground into like this little real tight. <laughs> that was my, that was my route every day. I did, I did that three times a day. And then upper, uh-huh. upper Darby, Pennsylvania is a, is a real tiny post office. And again, you have to blindside back into it. And the, um, to your left is a steep drop off into a train track. So okay. you, you don't have a lot of room there. And I tell them if you, if you can make it into those two areas, you're, you're gold. Those, everything else is easy. Those are the only two pain-in-the-ass places we've got. If you can make it there, you, know, you can make it anywhere. He talked about the railroad tracks. So that brings back a, a story from Minot, North Dakota. I go to this place. They, uh, You know, like they have all these these bundling places where you – or donations, you throw in all the old clothes and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yeah. But what they would do is they would bundle these T-shirts up into these, like, 2,000-pound bales, almost like they do cardboard. Hmm. But it's all T-shirts and clothes and stuff. And then they put them on a container, I guess, and send them over to these third world countries. So I pick this stuff up and I, I go into this place to deliver in Minot, North Dakota. And when I do, the guy says, okay, when you're backing into the dock, if you hear the train horn sounding, he said, get the hell out of the way. I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, in order to back into this, the docks, you got to back across the railroad tracks. Oh and sometimes train comes while you're doing i go who thought this would be a good idea to build this place you know but yeah so you're coming across here you're trying to back up and here you got the railroad tracks you hear the horn sound you better get out of there um great columbus avenue in philadelphia it runs up and down um the schuylkill or the delaware river and it goes down to the packer terminal where the shipping containers and all that come in and there's there's trains that run on that thing every day. And yeah, I'm, I'm hauling when I first moved to Philly, I'm hauling 20 foot cans out of the, out of the terminal there. And I go up Columbus and go to this little warehouse and sure enough, you right on your, just over your shoulder, you got a train pulling three cars right behind you. 
You know, they, these these old cities, they just really did not expect to have semi trucks oh. in the future. And, you know, the tracks are still around and they're still being used. Oh, yeah. Pittsburgh, Philly, uh, Chicago, all the, uh, all these low overpass places, too. You know, I yeah. had a, I did garage doors uh, with RTI and ACT. We had that. Uh, it was right next to that. Uh, what's that beer out there called in Pittsburgh? The Iron City Beer, Iron Rust beer company something or other iron city beer is uh, it doesn't ring a bell well i'm, I'm philly so it's uh, yingling yeah. is the big one out there right but anyway it's right next to that brewery and man that place was fun getting into because still still, re- still reserve maybe yeah maybe that's it yeah that's uh, something like that <laughs> but but yeah they're uh some of these cities you got to watch i had my wife with me as a matter of fact up in chicago and we were taking insulation industrial installation into a new best buy and she thought it's all funny games out here took her and i said now you see what we're dealing with you got bad directions because back in the day you didn't have gps and everything yep. else I've always called for directions so the guy gives me directions in there and i told him i said are you sure i said i'm pretty sure that on the other side of the l and he goes no i go there every day well That's we got it i go not the trucks yeah yeah in this little <laughs> so yeah Anyway, we got we got stuck on a little half moon type street with cars on both sides. And mm. You know the rest of the story. It's like you talk to enough drivers, and they all have that same story. It's like okay, first first you learn to make phone calls to get to your directions, and then after a few times where that gets screwed up, you 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 learn to ask for how do trucks get there, not where how do you get there to get to work. I've I've had right. I've had many sec- secretaries uh, answer the phones and, and give me directions, and I'm like, no, ma'am. How do the trucks get there? Not how you get the work. <laughs> well, I love the ones that you used to call and they go, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> how long you been working, man? Well, like 22 years. And I said, you don't know how to get there. You don't, I don't know any of the streets, but if you go up to the gas station, mm-hmm. it, oh my goodness. That's, and to, to me, <laughs> that's a beautiful thing. I, I love the way, I love knowing how some people think because there, there are people that have, you know, I, I visualize everything in my head. If, if I'm like trying to figure out how to get somewhere, I literally have a map and I'm going do, 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 okay. And then other right. people just go by landmarks. They have no idea what the street names are. They're just like, oh, turn left at the store. And, you know, there's, there's the post office. You go two more blocks and you're there. Hey, and, and to all the young drivers out there listening to this podcast, buy a map. Yes. Yes. GPS stuff. Buy a map. Uh, Road Carrier Atlas. Yes, please. It tells you, it has so much information in there. And that goes on to the training thing, too. And this one particular driver that I've been watching that became a trainer after six months. <laughs> okay, let's let's dive into that. So we, I, I found you on TikTok. How did you're you're a, 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 what's the word I'm thinking of here? You're a seasoned driver. Um, not a lot not of old farts. <laughs> okay, not a lot of old farts on TikTok. How did you uh, end up on that platform? So you know, when when people think TikTok, they think of like the young kids, right? What's, well, what's my daughter, my daughter told me about it, and uh, so I said I'll give it a try. I'll look, and she sent me some videos and. I decided, okay, I'll sign up for it. I did a couple videos. It went absolutely nowhere because I didn't understand the whole hashtag system and everything. <laughs> and then I, you know, I thought, well, maybe I can use this to help other drivers, you know. And I and I found out how much I don't know after 29 years. Yeah. Because apparently I don't know anything. <laughs> Every video, I, 
how dumb I am. <laughs> and oh, you're just old. And I don't know. You know, I find out anyway. But I still try and offer my advice, just like when I'm at a truck stop or at DC or something. If I see somebody struggling, I'll get out and help them. So I thought, why not use this platform for the same thing? And I really, I'm enjoying sharing. You know, even though I get, oh, I get dogged constantly. But yeah, you I, have to, you have to be comfortable with that very quickly. Yes. So, but I'm, I don't care if they dog me or not. I'm still going to try and help out. Uh, sometimes my terminology may not be their terminology, but yeah. uh, we can go back and forth. But I really like trying to help other drivers as long as they're willing to accept what I'm trying to tell them. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, don't know about you personally, but I have gotten things wrong on there and I've had to eat crow and oh, yeah. we've, we've actually built beautiful relationships from that. Our, our right. very first guests on this podcast were, um, uh, Leland and Lisa Schmidt. Um, and that all came about because I screwed up some pretty good details on his, um, fight to ha- get a, um, individual exemption from the FMCSA. Um, okay. but I didn't, I owned my screw up and we talked for a bit and, you know, we've, we've been friends ever since it's when you get something wrong and you're not just ignoring, but just flat out denying any of the feedback that you're getting. I I think that's where it it can kind of turn sideways. Yeah, you're right. I I always try and, okay, if I got something wrong, that's like the other day, I I called it grass burning exhaust. Somebody else, no, it's Okay, whatever. Yeah, ter- ter- you know, terminology is one this, thing. This, that, whatever. You get the picture, right? Oh, you're dumb. You don't know what you're talking about. Okay, whatever. But you got the picture. That's the whole thing. You know, and I'm talking about the carbon monoxide detectors in the yep. truck and it's a good idea to have them. And then, of course, we got into the whole scientific thing of, oh, don't burn carbon dioxide. You don't really need it. Well, would it be better to have it <laughs> or need well, it not have it? Well, the, the the first time I got in a truck that that burned uh, DEF, uh, I noticed it has a uh, exhaust temperature gauge. I thought, right. well, that's interesting. And then you look at the tailpipe, and it's coming straight to the ground. And I'm like, okay, yeah. that's interesting too. And then you you pull down your uh, your your window visor, and there's like six different warnings of like, do not park near this, do not park near grass. You will catch fire, you will yeah. die, and it will hurt the entire time. That's right. <laughs> so, oh, and that, oh, and that goes back to when. Uh, a lot of people started putting inverters in their truck. Mm, so yeah. I was talking to a guy that did recoveries for Werner and I was out at the Iowa 80 and he had a burned up truck on the back of the uh, drop deck out there. And I had asked him, I said, Hey, what's uh or RGN. I'm sorry. And see, I'll get jumped on now for that, <laughs> but uh, it was all burned out. It had a tarp over the front part of it. And I said, well, what, what happened? He goes, Another inverter. He goes, it killed the couple that was in the back. Oh, damn. Go, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me. He said, no, these guys keep hooking. And that's why a lot of companies stopped letting people put them in there themselves because of the fact they were having so many trucks burn up due to faulty installation where they were, you know, the wires were rubbing on the frame or the cab or whatever. And they arc, boom, catch fire. and, And the people, you know, they don't have a smoke detector inside. Yeah. And those go up now, like, you know, it's fiberglass and not, they just, they go up pretty fast. Well, we've all seen it. Yeah. And that, and that's, what's been so alarming to me with some of the things I'm seeing online, especially on TikTok now is a lot of people that drive for companies, um, you know, just 
thinking that they're doing the right thing and you try to point out something major, like you don't understand, like you are really putting your life and the person you're training at risk and they're just ignoring you like, no, this is, this is, this is perfectly fine. Like I, so, you know, part of the reason I want to bring you on this podcast is talk about um, this alarming trend that I see in a lot of mega carriers right now, where they have people with barely any experience training other people with zero experience. And well, to me, to me, that's, that's just a recipe it, for disaster. It, it It's a huge deal with me. And the reason why is not that I want to discourage somebody from training or anything else, but a lot of them are just doing it for the money. They don't have the skill set. Why is it in any other uh, industry or trade, they have an apprentice level, you have yes. a journey level, you have a master craftsman level, and so on. And then you have somebody that I've been following that has six months and thinks that because they were their class president twice, that it makes them a good candidate to be a trainer. Yeah. You don't, you don't, <laughs> you know, and that person just keeps bragging on that, that aspect. Oh, so if you're a mentor at the gap, that's great. Folding, teaching other people how to fold pants is not trucking. I don't care what you, you know, how you look at it. And it's really scary to me that you would take someone that, has uh has done has had many mistakes in the yeah. six months admitted mistakes witnessed and they put on video and then you're going they're letting this person train after they've had all these mistakes now if somebody went out there for six months and had absolutely no mistakes i still wouldn't want them as a trainer because they're not seasoned they're not yeah and i'm not saying all knowing all being but at least if you've driven across the country, you haven't stayed in one dynamic and you've, you've got all weather training, you've got mountain training, you've got the East Coast is different from the West Coast. Uh, and people always say, well, there's no hills out in the East. Yes, there are. Mm -hmm. People uh, come down to Cumberland. Sandstone. <laughs> What's that? The sandstone Mountain. Yeah. And you see people coming into Cumberland all the time with the brake smoking. Mm -hmm. yep. You're going east. Somebody's coming down from the west, and they're they're, you know, dusting for skeeters. So it's uh, you know, that's what what, and the thing, and you ask them questions. So I asked the per this person. I said, "Do you know what the frost law is?" Well, what's that? Exactly. You don't even know. You don't know what the frost law is. I don't think. I don't think. I don't think. I don't know what. I don't even know what the frost law is. So they will either. They will either say. What is that? Or I don't drive up north, so I don't have to worry about that. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you better know. Because there's yeah. going to be that one time you get sent up there, and I, I, so that, we, that we, one trooper we, in Michigan is going to have that big red light on his cars. Yeah. He's going to stop you at state line and say, why are you doing on this road so, at this time of year? And, and when I worked in M&S Trucking, we were the in-house carrier for Deluxe Check Printer. Now, we used to haul out at Toma, Wisconsin. So there's 173, I believe it is, that goes back in there from uh, Toma to Nakusa. And then you have, I think it's 13 and 21. So during the frost law, you cannot take that 173 yep. if you're over a certain weight. I see. Okay. Due to the heaves and the pain. What it is is you get the snow starts to melt, but it's still cold. And that stuff gets underneath the blacktop 
and it pops up. And then when you run over it, it just busts. Shatters it like glass. The blacktop all to hell. But anyway, uh, so we we named that the Dale Campbell Memorial Highway because he, he we got big signs in our offices say from this time to this time, do not take 173. What did Dale do? Dale ran across it anyway. He got right there by where Ocean Spray is, and there was a, a sheriff's dep- deputy sitting right there. Seen him. He took him over to Ocean Spray, waiting, and his ticket was almost $3,000. <laughs> yeah, because when we come out and out of there, it's uh, I think it's international paper, and mm-hmm. you're right there at eighty thousand pounds most of the time. So you're not supposed to be on that road, and they have them in Ohio, uh, Wisconsin, you know, a bunch of those upper midwestern states, you know, or to the middle to Ohio has a lot of them, and you're you're not supposed to be on certain roads due to the frost law. And a lot of times you'll see they'll have red flags up there on a lot of the highways. They'll have a warning or they'll have a, you know, they might have yeah. a, a warning. <laughs> but you ask them questions like that and it's things that they just don't know. Yeah. And and like what I said in my response to them was it's the, the more you know, the more you discover that you don't know. You know, it's, right. it's, this, it's this thing called the Dunning-Kruger effect where people who are speaking their opinions on something that don't really know what they're talking about, think that they know more than they do. And then there's like an inverse to that. The more, you know, the more you, you don't know. Um, but I just, to me, the, the way the companies are not testing for competency or at least at the very least making people feel as though they're more competent than they really are is it's, you're not, you're you're not improving anything whatsoever. Oh, you're absolutely right. When you put, Somebody that's supposed to be a trainer in with somebody that knows absolutely nothing. And then this person has had multiple incidents. I, I had one of my guys that, that was in the Air Force with me. And he had, he had dropped a trailer just like two weeks before they made him a trainer. And he pulled out from underneath the truck. He forgot to put the landing gear down. And he pulled out fast and he dropped it right on the ground. <laughs> and then two weeks later, here he is. He's He goes... Hey Sarge, I'm a. Uh, they made me a trainer, so he goes to this two day, three day class, whatever it is. Now he's a trainer, but he had had an accident. He had had the drop trailer. Why are you making this person? It just. I know it's tough to get people to train. Yeah, because not everybody wants to do it. Me, you almost couldn't pay me enough to be a trainer. I wouldn't mind being a mentor and being on the yard with one of these companies and being a. a driver liaison or something like that but i don't want to be in the truck with the person especially after that almost fight that that i seen with that yeah that other guy and we we hear what what do we hear we hear guys getting stabbed we've had guys get beaten up we've had you know all these incidents that we read about in the trucker and stuff like that where these guys are training with someone and they can't handle it and then they take it out on the other person it's it's the kind of person. First of all, the qualifications you need are going to be few and f- few and far uh, between defined, and then the mentality, uh, personality, and temperament that it's going to take yeah. to yeah. you know one not get along with the person in the truck, but also have them get along with you. You know, so you're you're talking about an even smaller and smaller hiring pool. So if you the rooster, the the, the biggest mega carrier you can think of, like Night Swift, how many drivers total do you think they have? A couple like ten five thousand. 
Oh, well, they got to have more than that because they got what, like fourteen thousand trucks. I was say yeah, last time I looked at Night Swift, there were like ten thousand at least. Okay, so you got you got ten thousand drivers, mm-hmm. and out of I'm just doing some back of the Mac, back of the napping math here. Mm-hmm. Let's say let's say out of ten thousand drivers, yeah, you got one percent of those is qualified to be a trainer. That's a hundred people, right? A hundred people throughout the entire country in your company, and then out of that one hundred, maybe. Half of them just are type A personalities and they're not going to get along with another type A personality in the truck. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's a numbers game. And I don't, I don't have the solutions to this. All I can say is the problems that I, that I see. And I, I do not envy these companies at all. I, I, I think it's a terrible position to be in. And okay, other... we, were, we were way off. It's uh, 17,900 drivers. <laughs> okay. Oh. So, so 117 drivers say, let's just say, you know, 1% of everybody that's driving there is good enough to be a, a trainer. Um, yeah. And well, I mean, if, if you, if you have a company with like 500 drivers, you know, that's like three guys right there. And then, and then you don't, cause to me, every time the government comes along, they mess something up, you know, cause a bunch of people are going, well, we need to get the government involved in the training aspect of this. And we should make it three to five years to be a trainer. And they got to pass a test and so on and so forth. Why can't the industry itself, handle this instead of throwing spaghetti up against the wall which they do with drivers just as well you know the majority of drivers leave this industry their first year yeah. a lot of yeah. don't even don't even make it a year and and i so and the same thing goes to the trainers let's don't necessarily get the government involved but come on let's do a better job of who we choose to be a trainer just because somebody has six months and goes through a two-day class or three-day class doesn't mean they're suited to train somebody and everything they need to know. And it bothers me because your family's out there, my family's out there, and I'm out there all the time with these people that don't know what they're doing. And we sit there and watch the same mistakes over and over and over again. We just had this big accident over here at Wild Horse Pass where five people were killed due to, there was three collisions the the initial collision which happened and then we had the secondary and then the third one was a uh trash hauler that came through and killed five people and it went and that goes back to distracted driving because there when you watch that video i'm have you seen that video there's so many now i i really don't know which one well, off the top of my head I'll, I'll try and see if i can find it and send it to you but anyway okay. you have got ample room i mean i run that road every day when i'm driving and you've got ample room to see and it was at night and there was there were flashing lights everywhere so what does that tell you when you have all those flashing lights we go back to the distracted driving yep so the guy had to have been playing on his phone or picking up potato chips or doing something other than looking at the road because there was flashers everywhere and that goes for the car hauler too that's that in the second wreck that smashed through everybody. And and rather than, and, and these companies, rather than use these videos as examples of like what not to do, they just assume everyone's going to be doing it anyway. And then now that you got cameras in the trucks that are tracking your eye movement, your blinks per second, your head right. movement, you know, so it's, it's rather, than, and all that's going to do is chase away all your seasoned veterans. Right. You know, you know who used to have a really good video. So I think, is the name of the company Havlar? 
it's H-A-V-L-O-R, I think. They, no. they drive white trucks with yellow and black on the thing. I think they're out of Wisconsin or Minnesota up there. Up. And they had a really, really good video that I've seen in a couple of different orientations of a driver that was distracted. I think he, he bent down to pick something up. And then when he came back up, the traffic was stopped and he killed a little kid, mm-hmm. you know, that was in the back of a car. And it was really an eye opener. And even for big old me, it was a tearjerker to think that, you know, here it is. This guy felt so horrible that he killed this kid over distracted driving. Yeah. Why? And, and everybody jumps on the Walmart thing about our phone policy. Well, I think our phone policy is prudent and just because of the fact that you shouldn't be on the phone in a construction zone. You shouldn't be on the phone in a school zone. You shouldn't be on the phone when there's, you know, heavy inclement weather. You know, you should be focusing on the road and you shouldn't be on the phone when you're working as far as in being in the back of the store. We got so many distractions. We've got vendors, we got poles that jump out and bite people. <laughs> so what is, what is their phone policy? Is it like no Our, hands-free devices at all? No, you can talk on the, that's another myth out there that you can't use the phone at Walmart. No, they've changed the phone policy where it used to be you got 60 minutes a day in 10 minute increments. Hmm. Well, now you can talk on the phone as long as you want to, with the exception of those zones that I spoke of. Didn't be in the yard when you're driving across the yard. There's too many, you know, things going on. You should be focused. The, the stores, school zones, construction zones, heavy inclement weather, you know, and, and stuff like that, or, or even uh, heavy uh, rush hour traffic. Yeah. Well, there's so many drivers that I see on TikTok now that, you know, the live streaming is like a big thing. Oh one, yeah. Once you, once you hit a thousand followers, Ooh. TikTok enables you to stream live wherever you are. And I see so many guys that just put a camera or they'll, they'll put, they'll prop their phone up on their dashboard and like, they'll be, you know, live streaming while they're driving, but like they're still looking down at the phone, reading the chats, have, talking to people. Have a wreck and let the oh. start. Let the sharks get a hold of that. You are done. Done yeah. for. Yeah, we we just covered a, a, a driver that was live streaming on Twitch, and he had a pretty good size following. Um, yep. have we have we still kept in touch with him? Uh, no, he and far as I know, they reached got to him. Well, what happened? He was live streaming, and the video he wasn't doing anything wrong. The video actually caught a truck running him off yeah. the road. It it was a. Uh, mm. Louisiana, it was kind of near where I can't remember what city it is, but it was like right before you get to a pilot truck stop and truck comes, turns onto the road and it's half body length over into his lane. So he's got to either, you know, hit him or ditch it. So he it does the smart little pickup thing. Truck. And, yeah. A little red Nissan pickup truck. all beat the hell. So he goes off in the <laughs> shoulder and, you know, Louisiana shoulder, softer than hell. So he falls like over, to... dumps it. He falls over. Well, you know, police didn't put him in the wrong. Everything was, you know, against the other guy. It was trying to find him. But then his company come back and said, uh, you know, this is getting around. It's making us look bad. You know, don't do this anymore. We're not going to fire you. Just don't let us catch you doing it again. And and with these accidents, what a lot of these guys don't understand, that's another thing. All these guys that are talking about how they can cheat on the e-log, how they, you know, oh, I'm on paper and all this happy stuff. Well, that's all fine and dandy till you have a major accident, whether mm-hmm. you're at fault or not. 
you are going to find out how lawyers, how far they can crawl up inside you and tickle your tonsils. <laughs> because I had one in, in uh, Nebraska, and the lady turned into me, and I ended up, I had her on the front end of the truck. And I was pushing her and I thought that, you know, and she had a parka on, so she couldn't, had no peripheral vision. And even though it wasn't my fault, they still went after, they subpoenaed my phone records. Yep. They subpoenaed my credit card, all my credit cards, the Com Data card. They, they went to the, the companies that I picked up at and got their, uh, the timestamp on the bills. Yep. They they get and everybody goes well. They're not time stamped anymore. They don't have a timestamp. Everything that comes out of a computer is time stamped. It is logged. Yes. So and their security cameras, all that stuff. And this went on for almost five years. Wow. Yeah. Well, Before, he, anything uh, that they can find to show that you should not have been where you were at that given moment. That's, that's, that's right. What they'll, that's what they'll nail you with. They used to tell me in training like you could be parked at a four four way red light. And a car could come along and run straight into you. And if you're log, if you're out over on your hours on your logbook, or if you uh, fail the drug test after they, they send you in for testing, like just boom, 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 you'd, you'd be at fault for anything. It wouldn't have happened if you weren't there. Exactly. And I, so many of these people coming into this, I, I have always said from the beginning, having a CDL is a golden ticket. I will never begrudge anyone that wants to give this a shot. I, I yeah. say more the merrier, but so many people are coming in here either given having been given bad info or um, to, to me, the most pernicious thing I, I see now is like this referral code stuff that happens a lot. Like I'll be mm. swiping through TikTok and I see so many drivers doing like the live stream stuff, bragging about how great their company is. And then by the way, go to my link in my bio and use my referral code. I'm like, okay, if your company was that great, you wouldn't be out there, pimping out a referral code left and right you would be driving right. <laughs> not well, on tiktok all day well the, the, <laughs> the biggest scam i've known of it dealing with referral codes you know in trucking you know some states unemployment requires you to try to seek a job every once in a while to stay on unemployment well here hmm. you go you got referral programs you know paying five thousand dollars thousand dollars for drivers as long as they meet a certain uh, uh, some of them don't even require you to make it through class you just got to get over there and you know, do best Still effort, do your, do your 30 or 60 days or whatever. Well, guess what? These guys will, that like to live on unemployment, they'll get that referral code from their buddy. You know, say, hey, give me your code. I'll make you $500 real quick. I don't care. I'm not going to work. I mm. just want to you know, live my life kicked up watching TV, drinking Modellos. So well, they'll go and they'll do their 30, 60 days, whatever the minimum requirement is, you know, and, you know, they'll do something stupid, get themselves fired, get back on an, or you know, get stumped their toe, whatever, you know, get back on unemployment or back on disability and their buddy's $500 richer. The company's out of driver and, you know, and this is a, another rotation. You know, it's just, I don't want to say, you know, the sign on bonus, you know, the God, I don't know how much sign on bonuses got paid out by Walmart this last time when they, when they kicked them up. But, you know, that's the same deal. The drivers will stay till the sign on bonus at last payment on the sign on bonus clears the bank and they say hey i'm not happy i won't find me another job hey there's another company offering ten thousand dollars sign-on bonus i'll go work for them well see that's that's me i do a lot of recruiting on there but i don't necessarily come right out and 
I've got a couple videos. I, I took one of them down, but I don't give my name or my number until I talk to the person. Yeah. Because I want to make sure that it's going to be a good fit for them and a yeah. good fit for Walmart. So I don't just go out there and throw it at everybody. I've actually talked a few people out of it because I had a guy that was at, at Southeast Motor Freight. And he's right up there on the top of their board. And I said, why would you want to come down here and start over again where you've yeah. got weekends off right now? You've got a good bid run. You're making a little bit less than we do. But is it really beneficial for you to start on the bottom again? Yeah. And oh. we, we kicked it back and forth. I'm not. And like I've told people before, and you've probably seen in some of my videos, I will not lie to a driver to get him to come over here because yeah. my reputation's worth something to me. Yep. And I got somebody to come over here and then they didn't like it. What's the first thing they would do? They'd get on TikTok and blast. And exactly. So I just, I don't do that. I've seen guys out there that are saying, hey, I'll give you half the bonus. And they put their name and their number and everything. I don't do that. I always try and get them to talk to me first and see what their wants and desires are out of Walmart. And then tell them what Walmart's going to expect out of them. You know, so it's, I think it's a fair a lot fairer way to do things to make sure it's right for the person. Cause I don't want somebody to come over here and not be happy. Well, that's one thing I've seen here lately. A lot of companies are going after their, their recruit, the driver's recruiting and holding them accountable. If they just bring, you know, you know uh, Tom, Dick and Jerry over and they wind up crashing trucks that they're going like, Hey, you're, we're going to hold you responsible for these guys. You vouch for them. And here they are being total, jerks and not knowing what they're doing you know why do you keep feeding the pipeline with with, with corn you know yeah well you, you could sweeten that deal too by having not just a recruitment bonus but just have a safety bonus too like if, if say you bring a new employee to your company and they make it a year accident free hey you get a bonus too mm -hmm. yeah but well the, i've seen some companies that do that they'll give them a penny or two for every uh mile that driver drive safely and stuff like that uh, there's there's different ways that yeah different companies do it but like walmart they'll give the person that when they uh second check after they uh, graduate onboarding then they pay them part of the bonus and after six months they give them the second yeah. part of the bonus like yeah. i said i i have not had one driver so far knock on wood that i've recruited that is left all yeah, my people are still here and, and, and look, if you if you're driving for a company, not just Walmart, but any company, and you love working there, and you want more people to come, by all means, I'm specifically talking about people that you know you you and you know, like as soon as you're watching oh, yeah. the videos, and they get, I'll, I'll throw, I'll get in the chats, and I'll start throwing out some hard questions, and either they ignore you or they give out some bad info, and I'm like, man, right. I, I I could ruin some careers in like five minutes here if I really wanted to, <laughs> right. Because, like I said, we we you know we we've all been around the block for a while. You obviously have way more experience than us, but even the by the even how things were when you were going through training and how recruiting was, although things are still very similar, there are there things are things are changing. They're 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 doing everything they can to get as many drivers as they can now, rather than realize okay we need to keep the ones we have. And I, I think Walmart was really good at seeing that and adapting as quickly as they could. Because man, twenty one twenty what was it twenty twenty in Philadelphia? It was some of the numbers that these companies are, like UPS was offering thirty eight an hour. Um, <laughs> and I was telling my wife at the time, I was like, "Man, I really like working at the post office. I finally got a route where I got weekends off." But um, 
the post office is kind of notorious for being like lower pay, but, but, but better benefits than the most other companies. But the longer you're there, the, the better it gets. And some of the numbers that these companies are throwing out at the time, I was like, oof, I'm going to keep saying no, but it's getting harder and harder. And the only thing, the only thing that got me out of the truck was working from home now. Okay. And, and we're right. not, we're not, rem- we're not remote piloting trucks anytime soon. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just seen some stuff on that where there's like another eight or 12 states that are getting ready to, you know, sign on for the platooning deal. Where they well, can there was, there was that, um, shoot, what was the name of that company that just went under? Um, the one in North Carolina. I don't know where they were based, but they, they literally Embark. just went out of business this week. Embark. Yes. Embark? Yeah. 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 Embark, Embark's out yeah, of shut business. the doors and everything. True Simple's in trouble. They're on their, they're in death throes right now. So that's and now well, with this, now with this feel SVD bad for thing happening working. too. It's... Yeah, feel bad for everybody working there. You know, we don't, we don't, we do not right. ever, you know, hate people for being in uh, trucking automation. But you know, it's we wish them all the best. And it, it it's usually when you go behind the scenes. It's not the people on the ground that's doing a poor job. They're doing excellent work. You know, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. It's always the people in the in the top suites in the companies doing stuff they're not supposed to do. You know, you got you had the you know the Chris Kirchers in the world that was blowing the money on everything oh, yeah. from private jets <laughs> to buying a freaking English yeah. football team. Where you're right. supposed to the one that was going to golf tournaments the- overseas. Yeah, that's yeah, that's uh yeah. <laughs> that, that's a long story, uh he goes over to the Scotland <laughs> Scotland Golf Club right when he gets in trouble. And, you know, here recently, SVB Bank goes under. And uh, guess what he's wearing? <laughs> you know, same. He's wearing a jacket of the same golf club. You know, uh, uh, what's this guy? Is, has anybody read up on the, Scot- the, the Scotland's extradition rights? You know, <laughs> is Scotland a place to hide in the world nowadays if you get in trouble? Right. <laughs> I, I just think a lot of these companies... You know they they have what they have in mind what they want to do, and I, I totally understand it. The, the the first company that that cracks this problem with automation and and trucking, they're going to win everything because it's it's the number one occupation for non college educated males in in the entire U.S. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's a lot of manpower and a lot of payroll that you can save companies by automating those guys out of a job. So I, I totally get the why. But where I come in and I say, yeah, good luck with that, is the how. And that's what we're seeing now. They, well, they're they're throwing so much money at this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when interest rates are 0% and, you know, the the uh, crypto is, is going through the wazoo and they, the money's flowing no problem, they can spend it. But then as soon as interest rates go up and crypto crashes right. and, you know, the, the, the banks are collapsing, now they don't have any money to invest in it. And right. so we're, yeah. we're, we're sitting here sitting sitting pretty. I think we're this. <laughs> this is going to end up is it's going to be more like autopilot on a plane. It's just going to take more control away from the driver. Yeah. Well, I, I drove, I drove a truck. Um, there's a company called plus it used to be called plus AI. And, um, I was given the opportunity to not just ride. So we were at this freight conference and most people in attendance got to ride in the truck while the, the driver there, um, did his thing. And I had a seat, I still have my CDL. So I was invited to drive it. And, uh, yeah, it's a nice truck. It's a, it's a, Five what was a five seven or three seven nine epic. Yeah, yeah, epic. Yeah, real nice, real nice truck. But um, it's basically just really fancy cruise control. Like it, it has lane departure, adaptive cruise. It'll change lanes for you. And I told him like, look, I was okay with how the truck drove, 
my biggest issue is going to be whoever you put in that seat because the worst person you could, I'm sorry, the best person you could put in that seat is somebody with zero experience and just use it as training wheels until they move on to something where they have more control or somebody say like yourself, who's just kind of, you just want to kick your feet back and um, ride out the last couple of years of your career and not, not stress too much. The worst person to put in that truck is somebody with six months to two years experience where they don't know everything yet and they never will driving a truck like this it's right. doing too it's doing too much of the work for them yes exactly because, because when i'm when i'm driving the when i'm sitting in the truck you, you you do everything yourself you know up until highway speed then you tap the cruise twice the system turns on and i'm kind of just sitting back and then i'm in my head i'm thinking okay this is how i would drive and i'm watching and paying attention to what the truck how the truck drives and it basically drives like somebody that's been driving a truck for 40 years. It's, you know, it does it has no ego. It does not care if it gets passed. And we were getting passed a lot. It was right before uh, rush hour traffic in uh, Chattanooga. Um, so I, I appreciated that. What what kind of bugged me was um, when you turn on the, the change lane indica- indicator, it waits like 10 seconds before it, it initiates a lane change. And I told them, I was like, that is way too long. Yeah, I, I I put the blinker on and I'm waiting and waiting and waiting and then the truck goes okay now I'll go. While I'm waiting for it to move, three other cars are already passing me, and I said that's it needs to have like a a, a northeast aggressive driver mode, right? To really to really because when I put the signal on, it's not me asking permission; it's it's me going, hey guys, I'm coming over. Right. The only but, thing I have with them because we got a lot of them out here on ten and eight, and. Mm-hmm. The thing tends to pass you and then slow down for some reason. I'm like, why is it not keeping the same speed? I don't know how many hmm. times I've had one of them. They get over a right lane, and then it slows down for some reason, and then I find myself beep 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 beep. You know how it hmm. is at the adaptive cruise, so it's backing me down. This is an automated truck that you're running. You're running yeah, into. They're, oh uh, wow! Yeah, the Waymo trucks. The uh, oh. I think there's a blue ones, but yeah. yeah like, I've had that happen more than once where they they go and they pass and then they not, you know, significantly, but they just mm-hmm. slow down a little bit. And then next thing you know, because I got my cruise set at 65, then I'm, you know, passing them there and okay, I got to get around him. And, uh, but for the most part, we don't have too much. And they turn around in our yard all the time. They come in and I talked to one of them guys and he said, and I don't know if you did the same thing, but from the yard, they come in, they turn around, and they do everything out until they get on the on-ramp or on the highway. Then it takes over, or they set it in that mode yeah. to take over. But on the, on the uh, surface streets, they're doing the work. Yep. That, that's, that yeah, that's, kind of, that's, that's kind of what Plus's truck was. What I, what I like about Plus's truck versus like the Waymo ones, you look at a Waymo truck, you know there's some like computational stuff going on because they got like the big brackets and the cameras and oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. A, a truck from Plus, other than the, the the West Coast mirrors being a little bit taller, there's absolutely nothing about that truck that tells you like this is an autonomous truck. No, it's very slick, very yeah. stealthy, and they they told us um, within eight hours they can have a truck in the shop and everything bolted on and ready to go in eight hours. Mm. Yeah, well, interesting. Yeah. And we also got the Nikola plant over here. I don't know how you pronounce it. If that's how you pronounce it, the battery. Nikola. Yeah, the battery-operated uh, trucks. And this guy, I seen him sitting over there. He was on the res sitting at the gas station or the 
fueling stop and I stopped over there. I wanted to take a peek at it. Oh, you would have thought that truck was Fort Knox or something. Hey, driver, <laughs> you, wait, you know, I'm going, I just wanted to check out the truck. He goes, oh, this guy's, you know, top secret squirrel stuff in here. You know, you can't, uh, I, I like, understand. Okay. I, underst- I understand the drivers have signed NDAs. <laughs> the truck has not signed an NDA. Yeah. And I, we, we, we talked in the podcast before. We were, we were trying to figure out what the uh, the curb weight of the vehicle is because Tesla isn't being public with, with what the, the weight of the truck is. Uh-huh. And, I, and I said, man, if, if I ever see one of those things fueling somewhere or, or parked at a rest area, I'm popping the door open and looking inside that sticker. <laughs> I don't need to talk to the driver. I'm just saying, hey, man, I'm just going to pop that door and look inside real quick. And then I'll, one, I'll see one you thing later, about but. the Teslas, I've hauled a lot of free to like. I know how much those loads weigh. Either goes one way, yeah. or they go all the way to the other way. So yeah. that, that's you know, it's either forty thousand pound full load of dip, or it's six thousand pounds of chips. So you know, <laughs> you know, they call chip haulers air haulers. So that you know, buy a bag, you know right. why, and they don't weigh nothing. <laughs> so we have a good estimate about what sure. that truck weighs. We don't just don't have the actual weight yet. Yeah, how many of those have you seen uh, getting towed so far? I haven't seen any of them. <laughs> okay, that's surprising because wow. that's all we see on social media. Is that right? I, I haven't seen any of those uh, trucks. I haven't seen one of them being hauled. And we, like I said, we got them all over, and there's several different companies. I think there's Waymo, and then there's a company with the white trucks and black lettering. I don't know. Who, like I said, I don't. I just mainly know that Waymo. There, oh no! Those, I wasn't talking. I wasn't talking specifically oh, autonomous oh. trucks. I was talking Tesla. Tesla trucks. Oh, it's like oh. they've they've delivered thirty six of them, I think, and I think ten have like eight or ten have like publicly been seen uh, being never, towed by a wrecker. Okay, so I've never seen one on the road yet. Yeah, no, it, like twenty seventeen when they first announced the semi, Elon gets up on stage and he's promising like we're gonna have a hundred thousand of these on the road and blah, blah, blah. And fast forward <laughs> one, 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 one pandemic and a supply crisis, uh, shortage later. later uh, we right. have like less Apple than 50 doesn't. of them on the road right. <laughs> and they, they, they can't seem to stop them from, uh, breaking down. So it's, it's, it's a challenge for sure. Now, you, now you're talking, I don't know if you guys want to go in that direction or not, but you were talking about how many trucks on the road. Everybody keeps talking about this driver shortage. Mm-hmm. I don't uh, buy it from you. No, yeah, too many. You said let's don't go there. No, oh, let's yeah, go totally. there. Oh, because okay, because the thing with with me is, first of all, the rates would reflect it, and yes. the load count would reflect it. Yep. Now, it, it and this is just my opinion. I I don't know anything basically, but I know that there's too many trucks and too many drivers right now because the rates are absolute dog dung yeah my buddy he works for landstar and i've got his password and i go on there and i look at the rates the rates are absolute garbage yeah. right now yeah. i mean yeah they're uh, they are atrocious so in my opinion about a third of these pretend drivers or guys that don't know how to run a business are going to have to go bye-bye for and for the economy yeah. to stay as some because there's just too many there's too many guys out there and not enough loads. That's funny you said the third because that, that's exactly so. Freightwaves just did a, a survey a couple about a month back, and it wasn't a big one. You know, less, I think it was like a thousand drivers or so. But out of out of the ones that they surveyed, a third of them said that if things don't improve this year, they're leaving the industry altogether. These are independent operators, so these aren't these aren't guys that are gonna 
sell their truck and go with another company. That was like 6% or 7% somewhere around <laughs> there. These were in, these were owner operators saying that they were going to leave trucking altogether if things didn't improve this year. A third. Well, you know, back to COVID, when, when the rate, and this happens every time. Okay, so yeah. I've been here almost three decades. So I've watched quite a few of these. So every time the rates jump, guys go, they drop their hammer and tool belt or whatever they were doing, and they go buy a truck and they jump back into the game. And then what happens? You get too many trucks and then the dive happens. Boom. Yep. It happens every single time. And that's what I was trying to tell this this driver who, who's been driving less than a year the other day on a live. I said, now is the dumbest time to jump into the game because you've got you're gonna overpay for a truck. Your insurance mm-hmm. is gonna be absolutely crazy, not yep. even having a year, and you don't really know the industry. Oh, but I got a dispatcher lady that's going to hook me up. You don't even know your operating cost per mile. Yeah. And and you don't even know that not a dispatcher lady. She's probably a broker or an agent or something. Exactly. I got a dispatcher lady that's going to hook me up. No, she's not. And she can't hook you up everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) You don't know to stay away from. You don't know the lanes that are, you know, that are gravy. And really right now, there's not a lot of gravy out there. Well, so yeah, at the beginning of COVID, you got all these guys on YouTube. Um, that's to, to me that to me that that's like my big red flag is when I when I find trucking YouTubers out there, uh, all their history. So like like old videos that they post is like, come on in, things are great, things are great. Mm-hmm. I go to like the most recent videos and I see what they're doing now. Chances yeah. are they're they're not trucking, they're doing something else. So I would only if well, you're gonna go out there and and, and get it and get advice from somebody out there. Look for somebody who's been doing this for a long time and has been sticking with it. And know the, the history one, of the. I'm sorry, one of the most prolific YouTube truckers out there that was rolling in referrals and content and corporate backing is now running a sports betting service. That tells <laughs> oh. you how bad it is got. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it's and it and you can't tell these. I don't know why you can't talk to the younger ones and they, I know I was young ones too, but I like to listen to the old hands talk. That's why I miss yeah. the liars count. You know, when they had 24 seven restaurants, you could go in get you a piece of pie mm. and coffee and you could listen to the old hands talk. I guess we're called old heads now, but mm-hmm. it used to be the old hands. You'd sit there, you'd do a lot less talking and a lot more listening and you'd learn a lot. And you could you could cipher through the bullshit, you know what I mean? You, you could you could you know the good from the bad, but well, it was a in, it was a learning experience sitting around that counter. Yeah, I'm, that's one thing I'm glad about. You know, TA start finally making a decision. I don't know if this is a, a you know a British Petroleum decision. You know, TA just got acquired by or is in being the process of being acquired by BP. Right. But you know, they're testing out you know, bringing back the diner concept up at the. Uh, the Trustville, oh. Ohio, uh, Trustville, Ohio, uh, Petro to bring them back yeah. to this diner, the diner, yeah. the fork and compass diner. Hopefully they get that back rolled out. Cause you know, that was a sad day, you know, when the, the you know, that, when everything got shut down and all the country prides got shut down, you know, that just gave me goosebumps. You know? <laughs> and it, it brings back so, so yeah. many memories of, of just, it, it was fun, man. We used to have fun out here, you know, 
uh, and the truck stops didn't give you a real hard time. You go back there and a bunch of guys go back on the back row. They bust out barbecues. You know, guys are sitting there. They can't deliver till Monday. Here it is yeah. Friday night, you know, and you weren't on the, the e-log. So a guy could slip out the gate, go down to the store, you know, grab some steaks or grab some burgers or whatever, come back, get in, you know, back up to the back row. You'd grill, you'd all talk to each other. And it, it goes back to the CB too. You used to talk to guys for hours on the CB, but now they're cell phones. So everybody's got yep. a cell phone on and the CB off. Yep. But it was, it was a lot of fun back then. You know, it was much more than now. I'll put it that, but yeah, you're right. The, the fun I think is, is, is gone. People aren't chasing the fun anymore. They're chasing the dollars and they don't realize that those dollars aren't going to be there. when it probably won't be there when they get there. I thought it was so cool the other day. Uh, damn it. Mike did a video. Uh, he was at North Las Vegas there at the Petro and a <laughs> bunch of guys just up some nice rides. Did you see that one? No, you'll you have to send me the link to that. Well, there's 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 seven or eight guys that just lined up their big hood trucks. They're all you know show quality mm -hmm. trucks. Mm. They all of a sudden they got together. They're hanging out. They're talking, you know. And that's the old school stuff that we used to do. Guys, you know, sit there in the parking lot and BS with each other. Now, you you look at a guy and they're what are you looking at, man? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. As soon as, as soon as you get done with your ten hours, you pull <laughs> you pull the valves, you close the curtains, and you know. You're yeah. done for ten hours, right? <laughs> and you knock well, and, on the window, you tap on the window, you liable to get shot. <laughs> yeah, and, and the way and the way the way things are going, you know, they they want to have the trucks to the point where it's not even a driver behind the wheel; it's it's a babysitter. Yeah, and you, it's just going to be somebody that it, it, think about that the kind of person who's going to be comfortable sitting there for ten hours a day doing absolutely nothing. It's oh. gonna be the is gonna be the, the the kind of like socially isolated in that person, right? That you you wouldn't want to talk to that guy for five minutes, even if you had to, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man, if that ain't the truth, yeah. But you know, you, you, I I love what you're doing out there on TikTok, and I, you're spreading the good word. I I think you're doing a great job of uh, seeing the BS and calling it out. I'm I'm doing what I can. Um, you know, try not to get too many emails saying hey please take down that uh, twitter please <laughs> right <laughs> i get i get once of those a month i think right now it's like hey uh you know stop talking smack about such and such as long as it's an email and not an intercompany message that's the that's the important thing <laughs> but this this is cool i i've been on a couple podcasts now and i i really like doing them they're, they're fun yeah it's, it's good to talk about the you know before and after and during you know kind of the how trucking's gone along and how it's changed and and how and once again trying to approach some of the new people to to share your information with them and have them not feel like they're being attacked. I'm not I'm yeah. not to attack you. I'm just trying to help you. But, yeah, I I don't want to chase anyone out of the industry. I just want to make sure that if they're coming into this, they're coming into it with eyes wide open. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been fun. Okay. Well, uh, anyone listening to this, if they're on TikTok, where can they uh, find you uh, dancing uh, around on TikTok there? The mad underscore max 2112. That's, that's it right there. Just look for mad max. Awesome. And, well, man, it's been a pleasure talking to you. All right. Guys, thanks a lot for having me.
And ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Back Trucker Podcast. I'm James Rister Bowen here with Justin Martin. And the man in the middle today is James Mad Max Maxwell. You can catch him on TikTok, and we will catch you guys down the road. Mm-hmm.